0: Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association as Kevin and I continue to look at the round two of the chase for the Miles Wolf Cup and what better guy to talk about Kansas City Monarch baseball than Carter Woodhill. So, Carter, thanks for coming back and joining Kevin and I. Thank you all for having me. So, Carter, heading up there to Sioux City right now, but let's begin by talking about that last series. You know, you told Kevin and I that there was two incredibly impressive starters going in those first two games of the series, and, boy, you weren't lying about that.
1: Yeah, it was it was really sold in performance for the team. I know the Monarchs had the best record in the regular season for a reason. They're they're deep at pretty much every spot, uh, but they just looked absolutely locked in in those first couple of games. They they played as, as good baseball as we've seen from them at any point all year at the at the best time. You know the best teams play the best games as best, best they can. And, was a huge part of that. Ashton Gudeau with the five scoreless in, in game number one. Former major leaguer who just throws a ton of strikes. And Miller Hogan with his six shutout in game two against Sioux Falls. And, and I think one thing that both of those two gentlemen have in common, they both have a great disposition and demeanor on the mound. They don't seem to be uh, – they, they look really unflappable out there. If they're nervous, they don't show it out there. And, and that's huge when you're in a playoff game. Uh, there was really no difference in terms of – how they performed when they were on in the regular season versus in the playoffs. And it was a big, big part of the Monarch success for sure.
0: Are you simply attributing that to the talent of the two guys? or I, mean, I thought, I mean, Stu Falls had a pretty good offense and you guys just shut them down. I mean, is it scouting and combination? How did you see that working out? Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, it's, it, it sounds really basic to say they threw a lot of strikes, but I do think that was a big part of it. You know, uh, They both were able to limit walks, limit free base runners. Sioux Falls as a team has pretty good team speed. When you're able to give them free base runners, they can make you pay for it. And the Monarchs have seen that in regular season games. And so uh, that was one thing that was kind of a through line, uh, was being able to just throw enough strikes to prevent uh, the chance for some shenanigans from Mike Myers' team once they reach base. Uh, but you're right, Sioux Falls is a, a hot team, a hot lineup, obviously playing in a very hitter-friendly yard, too, at the Bird Cage as well. Uh, and, and you just have to tip your cap to not just the starters, uh, but a great work from, from the bullpen as well for this team to really just put out that fire that, that Sioux Falls had going and, and get a comprehensive series win. Sioux Falls
0: was. With- maybe the hottest team in the American association over the last month of the season. And you guys just attacked Ty Colbert at the starting of game one. The offense looks great. It looks like this lineup seems to be getting better and better with each week. Are you seeing them just continuously improving as well?
1: Yeah, it seems like they're, they're gelling a little bit more, you know, this team and y'all know this has had a lot of roster turnover this year, which is nothing necessarily new around these parts Uh, but some new pieces were introduced you know Taylor Snyder came in a few weeks ago Uh, Gavin Collins returned from his hamstring injury against Sioux Falls in game one of the playoffs Uh, and it just feels like uh, players are where they need to be you know defensively they were they were solid you know having having Snyder over at third O'Grady over at first base uh, two positions where we've seen a number of different players over the last few weeks but yeah it's been it's a deep lineup, right? I mean, obviously, they've got the player of the year in there, which is helpful uh, no matter who you are. But all the way down one through nine, there are so many threats. And, and Snyder, especially, I mean, he was terrific. Homer in both of those games, he's been a new addition to this team. He's one thing that you can point to and say, hey, this is a huge, uh, great acquisition that this club didn't have, you know, three, or four weeks ago. Uh, but I just think, you know, this team's number one strength through everything, is, is the depth that they have and the roster that Joe Califatres put together. And I think that was on display with this series. There was no break for the Canaries pitchers, and uh, the, there was no rest uh, for their hitters either between the starters and the bullpen. So a lot of talent with this team, and they're, they're rolling right now. They feel that way.
0: The, the guy I really love on this team, Carter, is Justin Wiley, who came into the All-Star break, chosen as the All-Star second baseman, but it looked like he turned up the notch, you know. The, 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 knob, the baseball knob came up a little bit bigger there in the second half of the season. Uh, what do you kind of – I know that you've seen him. He's had a lot of success this season, but it looks to me like he's at the top of his game right now.
1: Yeah, I love him too. I mean, he's been fun to watch from, from the, the moment we got to spring camp and he threw out a Savannah banana at home plate in the 10th inning of the, of the exhibition game. Uh, we knew Justin Wiley was going to be a really special player. And I think if you're going to point to one thing that's, that's come in the second half, I think his power stroke has been there a little bit more. You know, all but five of his homers have come since June 21st this season. A lot of them have been yanked over that home run patio wall in left field. I, I think he's gotten better at taking advantage of mistake pitches uh, this year. I know he's a guy that's that's very analytical when he comes to the plate and, and has holds himself to a very high standard uh, but it's really, he's hit a few more homers, which is not a surprise. He hit 20 homers in the Frontier League last year where he was also an All-Star there. Uh, but that has, I think, given his numbers a little bit of a boost. But in terms of what he's bringing every day, he's been remarkably consistent at the play. You know, you can always count on what, what he has to offer. And uh, it was fun to be able to see him get the chance to hit leadoff in game number one of the series. You know, left-handed starter on the mound with Cole and, and, and Joe Calafiadro gave him the nod. Had a good game up there and, you know, was able to set the tone right away with the base hit to start the game. So uh, he's he's been a really fun to watch player. Glad glad you highlighted him because he's been he's been great to watch all year.
0: If there was any concern Carter that I had about this team entering the series, it was the bullpen. And and that question yeah. would looked to be answered in that first round of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, it's 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 been great to see, and I think you know this Monarchs bullpen is maybe a little bit harder to square up than some other teams just because there, there are very few defined roles with this team. Uh, you know, even during the grind of the regular season, the Monarchs didn't necessarily have an eighth inning guy or a seventh inning guy. You know, you knew Bobby Rossman and Patrick Weigel were going to handle a lion's share of the closures duties. But I think that sets you up really well for a playoff scenario where you don't want to leave somebody waiting around if you don't have to, but uh, being able to see the back end guys, you know, not just, Weigel and Rossman, but Jordan Martinson and Grant Gavin and Trey Jeans. We saw Alex Valdez in Game 2. Uh, there's, there's, again, a lot of depth with this Monarchs pen. It's not just a couple of guys that they feel like they need to stretch out in the playoff series, you know, and with the days off that you obviously are afforded, it's really, uh, it's really exciting to think about what uh, this game could look like. If you get five solid innings from your starter, if you're Joe Cavapietra, you're feeling pretty good about the guys you're lining up, and that's bad news for whoever the Monarchs are are lining up against now the it's no secret that Sioux City had the best of the Monarchs during the regular season is there a sense among the Monarchs that well they haven't faced the ball club that we're going to be putting out there for the playoffs so I assume the regular season they throw that out the books and just get after it yeah, that's what you got to do. I mean, I think, I think you know, nobody shies away from the fact that Sioux City's had Kansas City's number this year. You know, for whatever reason, the Monarchs' offense has just had trouble against Sioux City's pitching staff. You know, give them credit. They've got some great arms, and they've been able to, to keep the offense in check. But that's, that's what you got to do is just uh, say, okay, you know, we're, we're looking ahead. This is the real season. These are the games that matter the most. You know, these are the ones that you want to make sure that you can get. And, and obviously, you know, one thing, what you could use for, for that sort of mentality is the last time they faced him, Monarchs did get the win. Sioux City took the first two games of the series, uh, but the Monarchs won the, the finale at Legends Field, and that was the game that clutched them the division. They celebrated with some champagne. So uh, hopefully they can uh, can channel that mindset again. And and I think this team has, has had a quiet confidence about it all year. We talked about it when we were previewing round number one. So I think they're confident that they can do what they can do against any other team. Uh, but they give Sioux City a ton of credit and, and just – Steve Montgomery's got a great pitching staff at his disposal, and they're going to need to work hard to, to put runs on the board.
0: For the last five seasons have seen Sioux City and Kansas City face each other in the playoffs. How, how exciting is that rivalry for you to be calling?
1: Yeah, it's, it's great. It's one of the great things about this league, right, is these through lines and these rivalries that mean so much more when you're in a league that plays to win and when you have, you know, longtime managers like Joe Calvapietra and Steve Montgomery who want to take home a championship more than anybody else. And and I know there's, there's, you know, obviously there's a great deal of respect for everybody around the league. Uh, When the Monarchs face Sioux City, they want to beat Sioux City and and I'm sure it goes just the other way in Sioux City's clubhouse. So I think there's all, you know, it's a special matchup when they meet in the regular season, Um, but to have it, with the, the stakes as high as they can be, with the trip to the finals on the line, you know, the, it's, it's incredibly exciting stuff. And so every pitch, every, every moment is going to matter. And I know these, these players, you know, even for guys like Chris Herman, who's been in the major leagues, he says that he loves having that, that little special feeling knowing this is playoff baseball. It all comes down to this. The game is on the line. And, and from the, you know, the admittedly small two game sample that we've seen from Kansas City, Uh, That really drives them. This team likes it when the lights are brightest, when the pressure is highest. That brings out their best baseball. And I'm sure Steve Montgomery is going to make sure that that happens with his Explorers as well.
0: Now you mentioned Chris Herman, named as the player of the year by the American Association. From start to finish, just had a phenomenal year for this club. You know, watching him for 102 games now, um, tell us a little bit about Chris Herman. What's what, what Carter would he take away from Chris Herman this year?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously the numbers are outstanding. You know, was contending briefly for the Triple Crown this season, second in the league in OPS, third in the league in batting average, type of the league in RBIs. But when I think about the impact that Chris Herman has had with this team, I think about his leadership quality with this group. You know, he's, it's no secret that, He is a veteran presence in this clubhouse, you know, 35 years old. And he has taken on that responsibility uh, really admirably this year. You know, it's not necessarily – not every guy is built to be a leader at this level. You know, it doesn't necessarily always happen when you have a really experienced guy come in. And Chris Herman, from the very beginning, he's the guy who's the DJ in the clubhouse. He's the guy who is, you know, helping players out when they feel like they're in a slump. He's been working with the pitching staff, especially during a large portion of the season where we didn't have a pitching coach. Chris Herman took on a little bit of that, shepherding the pitcher's kind of duties, uh, being the everyday catcher. So that's what I'm going to remember. He's been outstanding in terms of when he's been at the plate or in the field and doing the jobs you would expect from a ball player. But all of the other duties, the off-the-field stuff, the in-the-clubhouse stuff, uh, that's been just as valuable for, for Chris. And so that's why it's uh, it's definitely the right call, I think, to name him player of the
0: year. Well, I, I got to hear Chris Herman's DJ name. Did, did he have a catchy name that he was going with before this year?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll ask, but I, I don't, I don't know if he's got one. But he's got the Bluetooth speaker. He'll bring it on the bus after wins. He'll have it in the clubhouse. They, they've got a special playlist when they win games. Although it's been changing up lately, I, I don't really know a lot of the songs that he plays, to be quite honest with you. But, uh, but that's uh, one of the one of the duties that he's got for sure.
0: Right on. Will Carter, tell us why the uh, Kansas City Monarchs are headed back to the w- Miles Wolf Cup Championship Series.
1: Well, they just they got to get the bats going like they were against uh, you know Sioux Falls. Obviously, getting that homer from Chris Herman right at the beginning of the series, that three-run home run before and out was recorded in the first inning of Game 1, that just put everybody at ease and gave everybody the confidence they needed. And I think a similar tone-setting moment would be big for this team. Because, again, Sioux City, you know, the, the pitching staff has been really good, really solid against the Monarchs all season long. Uh, but their job is to go in and say, okay, that was the regular season. This is the playoff. This is when we make our move and uh, just keep things rolling. I mean, it, it would be hard to draw up a better series th- for the Kansas City than what we saw against Sioux Falls. So if they're able to maintain that level of play, I don't know if anybody can, can stop it. But Sioux City is an outstanding group, and this is going to be a heck of a series.
0: Fantastic, Carter Woodhill. Thanks for joining Kevin and I. Yeah, thanks
1: for doing this. All right, thank you all so much. Yeah, thanks, Kevin.